everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beans and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. And we are privileged enough to have with us a man who is on the ground, boots on the ground in Australia. It is Mr. Craig Shapiro. Craig, thank you for taking uh, time out and talking with us. Let's timestamp this um, and then I'll pass it on over to you for a little bit. Um, it is Sunday night, eight o'clock Eastern, um, which is roughly what Monday afternoon. I know Benchich is playing it's, right it's, now, right? It's, it's money. It, it's Monday. It's twelve oh four, and Belinda Benchich has given up her a break and lost three straight games, I believe, and just lost the first set, seven five right below me in Rod Laver Arena. So I'm on the roof of Rod Laver Arena in what what's called the competition areas. Um, you can see here, uh, John Newcomb, in fact, is uh, back at that table. Another Hall of Famer. Uh, we, you know, I've got Steve there and Newcomb here. And then out here is the, this is the courtyard, I guess, or the grounds, right? Those are the grounds. That's the Ralph Lauren. Um, store and then behind that store that big stadium you see is the national cricket stadium the uh that national cricket grounds sorry the ncg anyway thank you for having me it's i've been here uh for the past uh week or so and it's been um it's been a thrill as per per always these grand slams these majors are just awesome so great Craig, have you been getting any sleep because the night matches have been pretty spectacular long night matches tell us about that so you know um the the i had so so there was a rain there was a rain out day on tuesday and then wednesday became a crazy slog no one played until 5 p.m and then every court went nuts and i didn't leave till 2 a.m. I think I was watching Quarantine Moutet um, play with one arm. He actually broke his, he did something to his uh, off wrist and he was playing Sarundalo out on way out. In, but it was a wild night. Um, that ended up, I think, through, I think it threw all the players off, to be honest. There was a lot of lopsided scores. The women's tennis in particular, the scores were shocking. And then, you know, everyone sort of died and then the following night they had the you know genius idea of putting Andy Murray on at about about 11 p.m and he went till 4 30 and I actually was on the grounds till 3 p.m and I I sort of died myself I had to leave so I in a, a shame shamefully I missed that match which is the only real match the late match I missed it's and been, last night you saw uh, last night you saw V Kazarenka win at like two thirty in the morning or something. Correct. I I was here. Um, Yannick Sinner played a terrible fifth set against Stefano Tsitsipas. About twenty five thirty minutes later, Azarenka took the court at eleven thirty. You guys, and she played um, Julin, Chinese player who played very well in the first set. She. She she lost the second set six one, but it felt like a tighter set than six one. And then they exchanged breaks back to back to back to back to back. 
in the in the third set, Chinese crowd. There's a lot of Chinese people here in Melbourne. The Chinese crowd was amplified, and it was great. Um, left here at two thirty, and now I'm back. So <laughs> today's the last day for me, um, unfortunately. But it has been um, these night sessions are a problem. I think that I think that it's. Um, I think it's a problem. There's, there's a, they're doing a disservice to the players. They're doing a disservice to the fans and they're doing a disservice to the people working here. That's for sure. No, that that's, that's well said. And I know, look, um, the three of us are American. So why don't we just start with this? I mean, especially on the men's side, eight Americans into the third round and that didn't include Taylor Fritz. So he got through, it could have been nine. Brandon Holt was up two sets to love. Uh, in his second round match, I think that could have been 10. Um, and and Brandon Holt, just to interrupt for one second, he got completely, he got shafted. Um, I forgot the exact, um, logistics of that, but they, 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 they killed him schedule wise. He, he, he was cooked by the time he got into that, you know, he, he, he should have had a better schedule and had he had a better schedule. He should have um, – he could have maybe come through that match. That was a shame. Yeah, and you know what? I, I did want to talk about – and I coach a good high school team in Chicago, and we had during – in 2016, the subject of Chicago, 2016-17, we had a couple really, really good kids that played in Kalamazoo, and I went down to Kalamazoo to support them. In 2016 and 2017, 16 was Michael Moe who won it. 17 was J.J. Wolf who got to the final – I mean, these guys are doing great. Um, and Sebastian Corda was there. He didn't win it. But Sebastian Corda, my God, he beats Medvedev in straight sets. He wins a dynamic match against, you know, fifth set in the breaker against Herkosh. Um I would, I would, um, I would um, disagree. I don't think that he was, I think he played his worst tennis um, against Herkosh. Oh, I, I didn't mean to say it was like an epic match, but I said just yeah, the fifth set so, in a, in a final tiebreaker to get through i mean yeah he won ugly that was that was his by far his worst tennis that was that was the last match on yesterday and um you know quite often i think steve probably could add to this but quite often a player on his way to winning a championship has to has a bad day that's right has has to has to grind it out but you know what, Craig? I, I hear you, and I, I, I get it. I would just want to add that he started badly, Corda, and lost the first set. I thought he played quite well in X2, and Hubie didn't play terribly well. And then suddenly uh, uh, Hubie got another opening to win the fourth set, and then the fifth set was hard fought all the way. And where I think your point is well taken, by the way, and this was not just Corda, but it was Herkosh as well, as they both were tight in the last tiebreak. Because it was 3-1 for Herkosh, who loses six points in a row to go down 7-3, then wins four points in a row to make it 7-all, and loses three points in a row to drop the match. And there weren't not many well-played points in that fifth set tiebreak. But I, 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 but for, to David's point, it's still a great achievement for him to be here in the quarters. Whoa. And he played much better, I thought, against Medvedev, by the way. I thought that was a better performance. Oh, no, no. I, I, I actually said that the the Medvedev performance um, to me made him the 
shot him up to the favorite to win the tournament. The level he played was unbelievable. To see it in person was something special. He he absolutely handled Medvedev. Um, like I don't think anyone's. I don't think we've ever really seen that. But also, yeah, you're right, and you also withstood some surges there. I mean, it was a it was a four one double break lead for quarter in the first set, and it ends up going to a tiebreak. But he he kept his cool, and then he wins the second, and then four three forty fifteen in the third, he let him back in a bit again there, but played another good tiebreak. So I, I I think it was really commendable that he did not, uh, you know, that it didn't get apprehensive when when Medvedev made these comebacks. And Bald, by the way, Craig, you were probably at that press conference. But some of the remarks made by Medvedev, I thought, were just terrific. The way he talked about how anybody in the top 30 can beat anybody else in the top 30. The way he said, I did, it wasn't that I played bad. He just played better. He was the better player. And it wasn't until he was asked about the injury that he, I don't think he would have even brought up this arm injury had he not been asked. And even then, he didn't overplay it and act as if it cost him the match. That was one of the best losing press conferences I've ever seen Medvedev give. To that point, um, he seems to have a different – something's going on with him. He's not He's not playing angry right now. And, yeah, um, yeah true. Something's a little bit off. Um, I don't know what, but there might be something internally going on with him. He's not – he's not playing well, and he's not playing – like. He reminds me of a guy in a bar that like looks over at the guy across the bar and it's like, you know, I don't like that guy. <laughs> like he, like I, he, I feel like he needs an enemy. And you know, I think, have, you're, he, right. I think yeah. you're right. And I think yeah. that uh, what's interesting to me is I, I trace it right back to this tournament last year. Medvedev is in the finals. He's won the U S open the year before he's up two sets to love three, two love 40 on Rafa's serve in that third set, ready to break it open and close it out and loses seven, five in the fifth. And I think that was a devastatingly a potent loss for him. And, and, and frankly, I think it led to a lot of the poor results the rest of last year. Not to mention he had the hernia problem. He couldn't play Wimbledon because the Russians were banned. There were a lot of things that were out of his control. But you're right. Right now, he's in a bit of an odd state. But that, to me, doesn't take anything away from no. the sport, this, how sporting he was in that press conference. Correct. And, and before we leave, you know, talking about the Americans, we got a heck of a fun showdown to watch tonight. Hopefully it's going to be great between Ben Shelton and J.J. Wolf. We've mentioned J.J. For those that haven't seen Ben, Ben won the NCAAs at Florida. He played like three, four, or five in the first year when he was there in the lineup. The second year he won it, and now he's just cruised through the challenger circuit. He's been great, had that great win over Casper Rudin in Cincinnati. Um, that's going to be a fun one to watch, Craig. Any thoughts? And what, what's what's the word on the ground with that one? You know, I saw J.J. Wolf um, really tune up Diego Schwartzman out on court three, which is a cool little bull ring of a court. And he, the way I describe him is, yeah, both guys I actually describe as carbonated. Both players have this carbonated arms, these carbonated serves. They just are carbonated. They're just like... They're just coming with like heavy, heavy heat, incredible energy. Um, and then I had this, I had the distinction of I watched um, Ben put it on Popperin and that John King court the other day with Stan Smith. And uh, Stan and I, 
Stan was um, extremely impressed with Ben Shelton's tennis. I think everyone in that room was amazed at that level. Um, Ben Shelton, his serve, when he's serving well, is generally speaking unreturnable. He hits that can opener out wide. It's like a new age McEnroe lefty, lefty, uh out wide he can kick the he can kick the second serve practically into the stands um up the middle that mid that serve down the middle opens up that serve out wide it's essentially unreturnable he is good and he doesn't miss his backhand he hits this like knuckleball backhand all these guys have it now like Kyrios. he never misses it then he rips the forehand and it's like he's People are people are not surprised. People in the locker room are not surprised that kid is here right now. So I don't know who's going to win that match. And JJ Wolf's ball striking is Agassi like. I love both <laughs> players very much. You know, I think I, I think Craig is spot on with that, David. It's a really tough call. I mean, yeah. you would not want to be betting your life on that match because it, it, both- it could be it could be one of those really riveting five setters. I kind of hope it is because it, it would be very entertaining for the public and. I, I don't have a strong notion of who's going to win it either. And they put that they put that match on the John Kane. That's the court of the people. That's Saw the court that. anyone anyone can walk into that court. And that could hopefully it's Monday here. Um, I hope that people come to that match because that to me is the popcorn match of the day. That to me is just money in the bank. And I just wanted to add that both guys have heavy swagger heavy swagger they are confident young american kids they're not here to make friends um they're not rolling around with you know entourages and girlfriends and all this and that they're just coming to they're coming to play ball yeah i hope it lives up to what everybody thinks and and is hoping um what that match will will live up to because that's going to be a fun one to see hey um you had mentioned him earlier and i i mean we got to talk about him andy murray and, and steve and i have have talked about this a, a number of times and I know Craig you're you're going to be aware of this as well nothing short of miraculous what what Andy did the issue is he has to work so incredibly hard in the early rounds of slams that for him to ever make a serious run at a slam it's just you, you can't do what he does and has to fight and battle so hard in the first round and then if you get through that a second round i mean you saw him in the third round he was he was toast again nothing short of miraculous of what he did but for for anyone to expect him to make a serious run two weeks over a slam it just can't happen the way he goes about his business well so about a month ago almost to the day i'm just looking at the date um i hosted a practice and a breakfast with yvonne lendl and the, the breakfast was a Q&A and, 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 you know, sir, and he was literally on his way to Australia. He was, he was going to host our, pre- the following week he went to Australia with Andy and he said, he said, he's ready. I said, he's ready. I was like, can he win seven matches? He's like, you know, obviously the draw needs to open up. You never know what could happen, but he's ready. And, um, I've been in a lot of sporting events. I'm getting the chills just talking about this. I've been in a lot of sporting events, a lot, including uh, the 2017 Super Bowl when the New England Patriots were down 28 to three at the half, and they staged this. I will tell you that that Berrettini match, he saved match point. 
that was as big of a moment as high tension, electric, whatever word you want. It was unbelievable. And all I could think about was Lendl saying he's ready and Lendl sitting in that box. And it was really a um, signature moment uh, for tennis. I thought to see this guy with a metal hip come through like that. Um, it was something special. And then they screwed him, right? He then he he then he he gets to go play at uh, ten thirty p.m. two nights later, um, and you know he he wins this epic against Kokonakis that ends at four thirty in the morning. He said in his presser the fall after he lost to was it Bautista Agu he lost to? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So after he loses to Bautista Agu, he said that he had to, he drained, he had to get up three hours after he went to bed to go get blisters drained. Um, Crazy. He had bliss, he had eight blisters on his feet, which is, I can't even imagine. Um, can't even with, imagine that, with that said, with that said, he also said that he did it to himself in a way because he's not up there because he doesn't have a seating. Yeah. So if he's seated, he could get a better draw and he could get through. But it seemed like to everybody, he wants to like try to make a run. He wants to get up. He wants to get his ranking up. I believe he's playing like Rotterdam. He's playing some. He's playing a full schedule. He wants to get his ranking up, and he wants to make a run because he thinks he can compete. And I, you know, it's funny. I saw him lose at Wimbledon, and when he lost at Wimbledon. I was taking pictures like it was the last time he would ever play tennis <laughs> and I couldn't have been more wrong. Right. Like this was just, sort of, it was, he electrified the tournament this week. The only, the only press that really travels that come, that comes heavy is the British press. You know, all these guys are here, Simon Briggs, Jumani Carriol, Mike Dixon, um, the people from the tennis podcast, everyone is here and they just, they just, you know, he, he took them on a ride. And Dan Evans played great, too. Good good week for British tennis. But just a quick follow-up on, on Craig's analysis of Murray, David, to get back to your original point. He's up two sets to love against Berrettini. He can somehow close that match out. It makes a big difference if he wins in three or at most four. But, but then it, it just ends up with a domino effect, and he gets a five-setter in the next match. And the fact that he even took a set off Batista Good is a great credit to Andy's professionalism. But I just worry about that, Craig, even if he does get himself in the top 32 and he's seated 28, or it'll help some, but the draws are not going to get that much better. The matches no. are not going to get that much easier. And I think deep down, Yvonne knows it even as well as Andy is playing. I feel like it's like a bag of Doritos. You just just keep eating them until they're gone. <laughs> that's it, man. He's just, just, yeah. just going to take you for a ride, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, another guy who's been, you know, uh, battling some some physical ailments as of late uh, is Rafa. And I, a funny thing, Steve, Craig and I were talking. I don't remember, Craig, if it was late. Uh, last year, very early, very early this year, because we're still early this year. But um, you had mentioned to me just from what you've heard and what you've seen of Rafa late, like you're you're worried that there there may be a lot of losing from Rafa this year. No, um, I, I don't. I, no, I don't. I, 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 I conversely just don't think he's going to play if he can't compete well. Um, 
That's what I think. I don't, I, I think, I think that um, he's on short time. Um, I don't think that he can win matches back to back too much anymore. And um, he was here heavy. He, he was, he was here with, I think I counted like 18 people in the box. The, his wife was here with the baby. It felt like a, that was a final, that was a final um, wave goodbye to that crowd. Um, I don't think he's going to put himself and his fans through a um, a crummy <laughs> farewell tour where he just loses and loses and loses and loses. I think he'll shut it down. Now, it's interesting because Steve and I have talked about, like, from last year, right, this tournament was where unbelievable that he won it. He then wins the French. And then Wimbledon, I mean, he didn't play great at Wimbledon, but he gets through and then he gets injured in the quarters. He winds up beating Taylor, but he was two matches away. Not that those two matches were going to be easy because he was going to have to play Kyrgios and Djokovic. No guarantees at all. But he was trying to get three slams in a row. And then since that injury to Taylor, it's just been tough sledding, Steve. I mean, no, I think I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I think you and Craig are, are analyzing it very very well it's sad now i do think the whole key to the to the to the to where he's headed craig is going to be the clay court circuit we, we may not see him in indian wells or miami it, it depends on that it, it looks like with this latest injury he, he might miss one or both but i think he'll put everything he has into monte carlo rome all the rest and getting ready to try to get number 15 in paris and uh, if, if that clay court circuit does not go well and he's not winning tournaments and he loses in the fourth round of the French, I mean, this is a, a dark scenario and it may not happen. Then I think it, it, it could well be that he maybe doesn't even play out the year. But if somehow he gets a boost out of the clay court circuit and manages to win Roland Garros again, I don't think he'll be able to stop himself. So that's oh, going to be a critical phase, that clay court campaign. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm bearish on. I'm bearish on it all. Um, You're bearish that that, he, that he's right near the end. Yeah, that there's not a lot of tread left on those tires. Um, yeah, yeah. Nobody. But, you know, we but thought, Craig, but Craig, sorry to interrupt. Just tell me, ask, let, answer this one for me. Didn't you kind of feel that way going into last year? I know I, I was not optimistic for him coming off missing the second half of the previous year almost entirely. And then to walk out there and win a 250 and then win the Australian and then and then Listen, next I, you know I can remember talking to Jim Courier 10 years ago being like there's no way this guy is gonna be able to keep running the way he runs. Right. 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 Well, after after his fourth, <laughs> after yeah. his no, no, yeah. literally I remember it's being like, this guy can't, this guy can't play like this. So I I I I always say I never bet against Rafa, but um Listen, it's that was that was tough, and also that was tough to watch, right? Mackie McDonald, it was, it was, it was, it was very it was. tough to watch. But you know, I just want to, I just want to tell you, um, you can see I'm a little distracted here. Uh, quite often, like once you get to this back end of the week, you don't see a lot of the players in these lounges. They're they're just all about their business down and down in the basement where they're going to trainer. They they don't really Holger Runa. And Patrick Murata glue and um, the team is up here right now. They're about to get ready to go to war. And I just want to make mention of the fact that I, I'm very 
bullish on Holger Runa. I think that he is bad to the bone. I think he, um, with Murata glue, and I and I, they're they're they've been all about business this week. Um, he turned his ankle in his last match, and there's a right. little bit of question about it. But, yeah. um, you know, talking with some of the people in his camp, that he he watched Carlito Alcaraz do what he did a year ago, and he, it's motivated him to just absolutely come out here and kill. So you know, don't forget. He's, you know, he's, um, what's it? Three, six, nine. He's 12, he's 12 sets away from a championship too. And that, this Murata glue team is all business this week. No, no joking around whatsoever. No, I, I hear you. I, I, I understand why you're, why you're so, uh, enthused about him. And obviously that was a great Paris Bercy last year. And he beat Novak in a, in a spectacular match to win the title and, he has that that it factor. He's got that the temperament. He's got the drive, and it's going to be it'd be fascinating if he were to beat Rublev in the war that you just mentioned, and, and if Novak came through against Dimanauer to see them play again in a big Grand Slam quarterfinal. I think the fans would just be beside themselves watching that match. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Novak, what's the word? You know, we've all been hearing about the hamstring. Um, you know, he's getting through and the Dimitrov match, Steve and I had also talked about this offline. That was the kind of a tricky match. And we were really going to see how Novak was moving around in that match. Um, what, what, what have you been hearing? What, what, what's your take? Uh, how bad is this injury? I'll just say this. Um, I've been thinking about how I wanted to discuss this. And, and I, I, can you really be hurt if you can beat, Gregor Dimitrov in straight sets in a, in a, in a pro tennis match. Like how hurt can you be that you got to be able to dig to the corners, be able to play world-class tennis. Um, how hurt can you really be? Um, David law said something on their show, the tennis podcast the other day that I thought was interesting. And I tend to, I can't stop thinking about what he said. He said, you know, Murray, when he has aches and pains, he doesn't speak to them. Novak, when he has like a little niggle, he it 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 rattles him, and he his nature is is to tell everybody. And I'm having a hard time um, thinking that he is um, hurt. Um, in in my definition of hurt where you know you can't you can't dig to a corner and you know stretch out wide in a split <laughs> you know like I just don't know how how is that hurt how can you be okay hurt? okay now this is terrific I, I've been waiting for this moment David because Craig and I for the sake of the listeners, we need to disagree on a few things. We've been agreeing on almost everything. This one, we are miles apart, and I'm going to tell you why. Adelaide, semifinals, Djokovic Medvedev. I watched the entire match. He's playing beautifully at the beginning, and then as he in 4-2 on his way to 5-2 is when he got the injury. You could see he was hobbled. He took a medical timeout. He doesn't need to be taking a medical timeout when he's up 5-2 in the first set unless he's hurt. He takes it. He comes back. You see that he's concerned about it. 
Then he and he manages to win the match in straight. Then he, then he beats Corda in the final. Didn't play great against Corda, by the way. And you could see he was very agitated during that match. And then he talked about how he needed a lot of treatment before the match. He was very concerned about it. Comes here. Not to belabor the point, but he's been taking medical timeouts in every match with leads. He was up 4-1 in the third when he took his second medical timeout against Dimitrov. Okay, you say... How can you beat Dimitrov? You can beat Dimitrov in straight sets if you're Novak Djokovic because as talented as Dimitrov is, Novak Djokovic is a decidedly better player. And he's disciplined and he's driven and he's willful. And so he, I believe he's playing very much hurt. Now, time is going to tell because we're talking about this hours before he plays Demon Hour. But there's one thing I know about this guy, especially in these last 10, 11 years, Yes, in the early years, in the early days of his career, you saw him retiring from a lot of matches. He has now become one of the most indefatigable fighters the sport has. And, and he'll play his way through all that pain. And, and, and this is not acting. This is real. And I, I think he's, he's really preoccupied with it, Craig. So we're going to just agree to disagree on that one. Fair. But if he if he routines Demon Hour, I want to... I well, but, but you know what? If he routines Demon right. Hour... I hear you. Gonna... And, you know, I think it's he described it quite well, though, in his press conference about it's kind of a roller coaster. He'll come out, he'll feel pretty good the first set. And then after a certain point, then he suddenly he's wincing and he's feeling it. And then he gets treatment. And he can, in other words, it's it's he has to work his way assiduously through every match and with a lot of determination. And it can't be fun playing that way at all, at all. And I and I and I. And, and the point that David Law is making is interesting because I think most of the time Novak does not want to take, make, he doesn't like to make excuses. And I've seen him many times come in press conferences after losses and refuse to talk about that stuff. Yeah. But this thing, this timing was really tricky. And why would you have private practice sessions? Why would you not be practicing on your days off? This reminds me a little bit, although I think, Craig, it's a more serious injury in some ways, trickier injury to deal with. Two years ago, he had some kind of an abdominal tear. And he, when he won this tournament and it happened against Taylor Fritz and you saw him scream out after victory in five sets because it happened mid-match. And when he won the fifth set with no fans in the stands, he let out a scream that could have been heard in Colorado for all the way from Australia. And it was relief. And then you saw him get a little better match by match, you know, but you could still see he wasn't feeling 100% against Raonic and Zarev. And then by the time he got to the finals against Medvedev, you felt like he played his way through it. This one, I think, is trickier because hamstrings are complicated injuries, and they do. You just never know when it's going to start bugging you again. But I, I just don't think somebody as great as Djokovic, who's the best in the world, he needs to make any excuses. And, 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 and I think the evidence is there that he's feeling real pain. Now, that could change. You said, what if he beats Demon, Demon Hour in straight sets? Sure. Maybe somehow this thing clears itself up. But so far, he hasn't had one match this tournament in the first three where he's felt 100% himself. You know, this reminds me of a conversation. I, never, I, was, I was shooting um, a story with Carlos Moya in Miami when Carlos Moya was number one in the world. And it was, I just kind of looked at his hand and his, he had cracked, his hands all cracked and and he said they were all they were just you know the whole table his whole team his entourage they were all at the table talking and talking he said you know i just was saying to my team i can't remember 
being 100% healthy one day. So I think it's all, I think it's all, you know, everyone's definition of an injury is maybe a little, maybe a little different. Look, um, it's such a, it's such a physical sport now. I mean, no one's feeling a hundred percent at this time. I mean, no, just no, like but, when, this, but, but this is far, this is a far cry from some kind of niggling injury where you're, you know, but you're, you're confident in your mind that you can deal with it. You know, you're not going to need the trainer. You, you make special steps in your preparation to be prepared for, you know, and then you go out and play and you're able to forget about it. This is obviously on his mind at all times. And some, you can't go three through three matches having to get these medical timeouts. It's the last thing you want to do, especially when you've got leads. The last thing you want to do when you're up four, one in the third, two breaks, two sets to love up is take time off the court to get a medical time. I mean, that made it harder to close it out. So I just think this is more than a typical injury. It's a tricky one that that is going to he may have to keep dealing with these circumstances every match the rest of the tournament if he can survive. All right. Well, we'll yeah. see how it plays out. We, we don't want to belabor the, the point. I know Craig wants to get uh, go start watching some tennis. So just one more thing before um, we let Craig go. And again, we're appreciative of your time um, on the women's side. I know a lot of us had our eyes on a potential quarterfinal between Iga Sviatek and Coco Gauff. <laughs> bless you. Unfortunately, um, that didn't happen because Iga lost to Rabakina, former Wimbledon champ, and Ostapenko beat Coco. And that second set, I mean, I watched that whole match. The first, the first set, Coco had plenty of chances. She had a total of seven break points. She did break her early on, but Ostapenko broke her kind of right back. And then she had six chances in two or three other games in that set, didn't capitalize. And then that second set was as clean. David, as- David, David, yeah. just to interrupt a second, not to mention she had 40 15 Coco to get to the tiebreaker at five, yes. six for sure. That yep. was a killer, killer game to lose, didn't you think? Killer game, killer yeah. game. So she yeah. had opportunities galore in that set. The second set was as clean of a set as I've seen a person play in Ostapenko. I mean, she didn't miss. She was making every ball, cracking it. And I, I heard the announcers, and, and I have all huge respect for Mary Jo, Patrick McEnroe, Renee Stubbs. You know, the list goes on and on. I mean, they've played at the highest level. They've coached high-level high players. They kept trying to say maybe Coco could have put more variety or maybe loopers or drop shots or slice. All true. The bottom line is Ostapenko was not allowing Coco to try to do any of that in those points. On the first or second ball that Ostapenko had, she was cracking it. And Coco was way on the defensive right away, way off the court. So the advice was good. I just didn't think Ostapenko gave Coco a chance to do that. How would you guys see that? Yeah, but Craig, Craig, you answer that. But before you do, tell me what, what was your impression of Coco's reaction to the defeat? And then what were your impressions of the match itself? I, um, I just, you know, it's funny. I, 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 Ostapenko is the, is the Vinnie Johnson of, of, of pro tennis. <laughs> Remember micro- Vinnie Johnson, the microwave, the microwave. Uh, on the Detroit Pistons. This guy would come on the court and just get so hot and unconscious and not, not, you know, and score 40 points in 10 minutes. And, and no one knew what the hell just happened. And Ostapenko just starts burying balls into the corners. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, she takes everyone's time away and the match is like, 
now she's you know she's now she's six she's six sets away from winning another a major. She just she looks unfit. She looks terrible in her clothes. Yeah, great. But has there been a lot of talk about that? She does look heavy. It's remarkable to me that she can be playing this well at that weight. What What are your thoughts? On I mean, that? but even like. I think she's in some kind of tennis shape. Maybe does everyone's in all different shapes and sizes can win tennis yeah. matches. I just don't yeah. know. But but she um, totally destroyed Coco Goff in that second set. She looked stunned. And what was shocking. your take, Craig? And I'm Coco like, Go- I'm let me, trying to Coco- change the pace and stuff like that. I just felt like Ostapenko didn't give her an opportunity to do any of that. No, nothing. I didn't think so either. And, you know, um, you know, Coco Goff, I saw her play early in the week and I felt like she, she's, I thought she had fixed her problems with her forehand with, um, is it Diego Moyano? Who's the coach? Is it Diego He's in Moyano? the box now. Yeah, I don't so, think yeah. Coco no, no, played no, no. poorly. I don't so, think Coco but, played poorly last night. But so her forehand, um, some of the problems have crept back in. The courts are faster here than other places. Um, I, I think that I, I saw her like bailing out of her forehands, hitting some slice forehands, which I hadn't seen her done in the last few years. She had started playing like way better with this guy in the box. Um, but with that said, when, when, when Ostapenko goes nuclear like that, when yeah. she just starts to Chernobyl, <laughs> it's just crazy. You it's know, there's crazy. just no, hey, yeah. Not- I, I, I'd say it's more about this crazy level of insane, insane, tennis that Ostapenko starts playing and then you're like well there's nothing anyone could have done right I Uh, agree with you two two things Craig number one uh, uh, don't you think it's kind of a nightmare for anyone to play Ostapenko if she's on like that not just Coco and number two where in the world do you come up with these phrases have you (laughs) are are these pre-planned Craig or do you do it spur of the moment because you've hit us with about 10 over the course of the last 35 minutes all of them highly amusing that's just my lingo. That's, just that's how Craig, I man. That's I'm, Craig. I'm tennis's <laughs> rascal. You know, that's how uh, that's how we do it. But listen, <laughs> fellas, um, I think I've overstayed my welcome here in the uh, upstairs roof yep. players lounge. These guys are sure. getting ready to go to war, as I said. Um, hey, listen, you know, anytime I, I always say on my show, if I, every time I have a chance to speak to a Hall of Famer, it's a pre- pleasure and a privilege. So, Steve. Great to um, be on your show. Thank you very much. And David, thank you very much. And, um, you know, as Bud always said, keep following that yellow fuzzy ball. <laughs> Thanks Bye. so much, Craig. We appreciate your time. Enjoy your last day on the ground. Bye, fellas. Ciao. Bye.